0: Have you ever wanted to play the perfect tabletop game where story beats run smoothly and there's no awkward pauses between dice rolls? Yeah, me too. But since that's impossible, I did the next best thing and novelized my Witcher tabletop game to showcase the story in its cleanest form. The result is this podcast. I'm Jacob Gerstel, and this is Tales from the Witcher. Part audiobook, part actual play, part serialized adventure, and a whole new way to vicariously enjoy tabletop games. Welcome to the world of The Witcher, where monsters roam freely and the continent is once again at war. If you were hoping to follow the plight of Geralt of Rivia, however, I'm not going to be doing that. Instead, I offer you the story of a not-so-merry band of degenerates who are making their way across the continent. So sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: Honest end. Marshal Havart var Mahoen commanded a division of eight thousand Nilfgaardian soldiers. His orders, from Imperator Emir var Emiris himself, were simple take the eastern flank of Temeria, capture the city of Alander with all haste, and circle around to reinforce the siege of Temeria's capital Vizima. Aside from a few skirmishes, the Nilfgaardians encountered little trouble until they reached Alander. Marshal Warmerhoen was prepared for a siege, of course. He practically expected it. What he did not expect was the disease that would burn through his division as he camped outside the city. This illness would later be called the Catriona Plague, only after it had ravaged much of the Northern Kingdom. But at the time, the Nilfgaardians were calling it the Bloody Run, or the Red Death. Both names were apt. Joanna Wernis Turning Points of the Third Northern War. One. It must have been quite a battle, judging by the number of corpses. Hundreds of bodies lied in the field below, outnumbered, perhaps, only by the crows that crowded the skies before swooping down for their meal. The bloody field was relatively flat, and jutted into the otherwise unbroken forest, and it stretched as far west as Ethramel could see. He wrinkled his nose at the smell which wafted up from a harsh breeze that fluttered dozens of broken Temerian banners littering the field. And, of course, fluttering the one Nilfgaardian banner that stood upright, planted in the middle of the killing field. It was clear who won the battle. Anyone want to bet it's the same force that sacked Tarnow? Jeremiah asked. I don't make losing bets, the sorcerer said. They were a day's ride from that odious town of Tarnow, having ridden through the night and barely stopping for sleep. The craftsmen had insisted, saying that the further they were from Brother Morgan, the better. Ethramel didn't disagree. His mind was preoccupied with other matters, like his supposed son, Colden Opteld, who may still be waiting for him at his tower at the town of Undying. He saw him two days ago now, and simply hoped that if he stayed away long enough, the Novgardian diplomat would leave. In a way, Ethramel was thankful to see the stinking battlefield below. It provided a welcome distraction. He looked to the witcher and asked, "'Do you see anything moving down there, or would it be safe to ride through?' "'You want to ride through that?' Carminiola asked, a horrified look in his eyes. He had covered his mouth and nose with his scarf. "'Unless you want to lose more time skirting around it,' Ethermel said, motioning to the dense forest to their right, "'we've already lost time riding through the woods for cover, "'and we've no time to spare. "'The black cloaks are likely riding to the city of Alander as we speak, "'if they're not there already.' "'And I'd rather get there before the Nilfgaardians do.' "'And why?' Zevo said slowly, staring at the bodies below. "'Are you so keen to get to a lander, so you can sell your fist "'I'm keen to get there because my good friend Tobias offered—' "'Wait, how in the plow in hell do you know about my fist "'Zevo grunted. "'You should hide it better if you don't want anyone to find it.' "'You rifled through my bags? What gives you the right?' "'What gives you the right to ride with contraband that could get us all killed?' I hope you have a plan to get rid of it, quick. I do, but we have to reach a lander first. Ethermel planned to sell the Fistech to Tobias of a lander, prove to Vidmarv Krag Roth that he's a reliable vendor, and then set up a production line, to be smuggled from the Mahakam Mountains with Jeremiah's repeating crossbows. Good enough for you, Vatgern. I see movement down there, Zevo said, ignoring Ethermel's remark. He squinted his one good eye. Looks like slayed humans, enjoying an unexpected feast. Roth fiends, most like. At least a couple dozen of them. I'd give this place a wide berth, regardless of how long it delays us. Then let's not waste any more time, Jeremiah said. He looked over his shoulder, as if he expected Brother Morgan to be sitting behind him with a knife in hand. Ethramel gave the battle one last glance before riding off. It reminded him of his time fighting for Nilfgaard, a thankless task that lasted several battles and the length of the Second Northern War. They stuck to the forest, riding west and circling towards the mountains. Ethermel figured they lost at least half a day riding around the battle, and once again, as night fell, Jeremiah insisted they ride on with little sleep. Carminiola bitched about that, but the Vatgern shut him up when he said it was best to get as much distance from the rot fiends as possible. They stopped to rest once the smell of decay was gone, in the early hours of the morning. Ethermel tried to catch a few hours of sleep, but his dreams alternated between battles fought long ago and Francesca Findebert, his first trainer in the art of magic, chastising him for neglecting his duties to the unsaid. Ethermel woke up and saw that no one else was sleeping either. Jeremiah rubbed his side, Carmagnola stared blankly into the dying fire, and Zevo... Well, Zevo never slept anyway. They rode through forest for most of the next day. By late afternoon, the trees began to thin, and eventually broke. Beyond the forest, across from a great plain, was a large, circular city, with stone walls so high it was impossible to peer inside. And surrounding these walls was a smaller city of black and yellow tents, stretching back farther than Ethrimel could have imagined. And beyond these tents stood large trebuchets, tall wooden towers, and what looked to be oversized crossbows. "'All in various stages of production. "'Siege weapons. "'There must be thousands of black cloaks outside the city,' the sorcerer thought. "'We're too late, damn it all.' "'Zevo's horse, Diabol, snorted and stamped his hooves. "'The witcher turned to Ethramel and said, "'So much for reaching a lander before the siege. "'Now what?' "'It wasn't a total loss, Ethramel had to admit. "'He still had his backup plan. "'Riskier, sure, but not excessively so.' Ethermel reached into his bag and pulled out the letter stating that he was to be granted full protections while in Nilfgaardian territory, the letter he received back in the town of Kalmek, written by the Nilfgaardian diplomat, Colden Upteld, Written by my supposed son, Ethermel thought, frowning. As powerful as the letter was, the sorcerer didn't like the idea of using it. If I did, I'd owe that damn half-elf something, I suppose. But what can be done? Follow me. "'Ethermel said, spurring his horse Enya forward. "'If anyone asks, we're citizens of the Empire. "'It was not long before they were stopped "'by a Nilfgaardian patrol on horseback. Four soldiers leveled crossbows, "'while the fifth asked them what their business was. "'I wish to see the commander of the siege,' "'Ethermel said. "'He held his hands up. "'I have a letter from the diplomat Ap Teld of Sintra, "'granting us passage through Nilfgaardian territory. "'Would you like to see it?' "'Aye,' the leader said." Brought over here slowly and let me take a look. Ethermel did, and after reading the letter, the guard motioned for them to follow. You can see my commanding officer. She can decide what to do with your request. Who's leading this force? Ethermel asked. Marshal Havert Var Mahoen, but he's far too busy to see the likes of you. The elf burst out laughing. What were the ploughing odds to meet an old friend here so many years later? I think, Ethermel said, wiping a tear from his eye, You'll find that Havert would very much like to see me. We served together five years ago, in the last war, and I saved his ass more than once. That's not for me to say, the soldier said. What did you say your name was? Ethromel Antred, he said, and thought, former sorcerer serving in the Vryhed Brigade of the Imperial Military. But no need to tell you that. It will degrade your opinion of me significantly. The tent city reminded Ethramel of the refugee camp in Tarnow only the Northgardian camp was far more organized the tents were spaced in even grid-like rows providing clear paths for soldiers to move to and fro with ease as it was now most soldiers were huddled around campfires to fight off the cool evening air The countless laborers ran back and forth with lumber and other materials they're efficient Ethromel thought marvelling at the camp it's not the first time they've conducted a siege that's for sure Ethermel knew for a fact that it was not Marshal Havert-Varmahouen's first time conducting a siege. He had done it before, to capture the twin fortresses of Scala and Spala in the kingdom of Lyria, just as the Second Northern War was heating up. Only five years of time separated that siege from this siege, but it felt like a lifetime for the sorcerer. Fleeing from assassins hired by the Duchess of Toussaint had a way of making time run slower. The patrol's commanding officer greeted Ethel's request with skepticism, but she took it to her commanding officer, who provided similar skepticism. The next commanding officer, however, a young major, decided to take the four of them to a large tent, not far from a lander's bolted front gate. A moat surrounded the city, and the drawbridge was, unsurprisingly, drawn up. The major stepped inside and came out quickly. He nodded and said, The marshal will see you now. About time, Ethermel said as he walked past, hiding his excitement. The tent was roomy, with a large wooden table, covered in maps and documents, as the centerpiece. Four Nilfgaardians stood behind the table, three men and one woman. Ethermel only recognized one of them, a middle-aged man with a broad face, large nose, and coal-black hair swept from his brow and tied in a low ponytail. He wore the standard black plate armor of Nilfgaard, Accented with yellow filigree, he wore no weapon. And upon seeing the newcomers, he walked briskly towards them. I half thought you were a ghost. By the gods, you've aged, Havart Varmahoen said in an elf-guardian accent. He grinned at Ethramel and held his hand out. The sorcerer shook it, unable to contain his smile. Only half a ghost, sorry to say. Never expected to find you this far north again, myself. How are you faring, Havart? Good, my friend, good. Hovart looked a little older than Ethermel remembered, a little pudgier in the face, too. But time did not seem to dampen his good cheer. He pulled the sorcerer into a hug and patted him on the back. It is a blessing to see you again. I thought our time together had passed. Ethermel patted the soldier's back. As did I. I'm glad that's not the case. What brings you here? Hovert asked, pulling himself away. I thought you would have... Carmignola one of the Nilfgaardian officers blurted out. He was a ruddy-faced man with a shock of brown curls on his head. Carminiola squinted at the three. Then understanding sparked in his eyes, and he beamed. Can that be, the doctor started, Drurn, Loretta, and Mark? In the fucking flesh, the second officer, a barrel-chested, olive-skinned man, said with a laugh. He strode towards Carminiola, but stopped himself when he passed Hovert. He abruptly turned to his commanding officer and said, Marshal Vermahouen. This man is Carminiola of Sideris. He's the doctor we spoke to you of, the one who rescued us at Loncoff, the town of Undying. You rescued enough guardians from Loncoff? Jeremiah whispered. The doctor grinned sheepishly and shrugged. Hovert nodded. Colonels Drearn, Mark, and Lorweta have spoken highly of you, doctor. I should personally be thanking you as well. Were it not for these three's timely arrival at the Adernian city of Aldersburg... My companions on the eastern front would have been caught off guard by Radisson of Braithwaite's assault. Ethramel remembered that pompous Adonian commander well. He had specifically taken over the town of Undyne to prepare for that counterattack on the Adonian city of Aldersburg. Evidently, the three black cloaks that Carminiola set free got to Aldersburg in time to warn the occupying Guardians. Jeremiah, the Adernian, glared at Carminiola, who reddened and coughed. Yes, well, er... Uh, you're welcome. Havert pointed to the tabby cat in Carminiola's jacket. And who is your handsome friend there? Oh, Carmaniola said, this is Otto. Havert nodded seriously. Otto looks to be a good cat. This is good fortune indeed. Colonel Drurn, Colonel Loretta, Colonel Mark, would you three be so kind as to show the doctor to our infirmary? Is someone in need of aid? Carminiola asked. Drone smiled grimly at the doctor and patted him on the shoulder. Perhaps it's best if we show you. Follow us. When the four of them left, Hovert eyed Jeremiah and Zevo. Any companion of Ethramel's is welcome in camp, of course, but would you two mind excusing us? I'm sure any of my soldiers would be happy to share their campfire with you. Jeremiah and Zevo exchanged skeptical looks, but left willingly enough. Can I interest you in some mulled wine? Hovert asked. For old times' sake and maybe a game of gwent they had met over wine and cards not long before the second northern war began back when havert was a humble major in the imperator's army Ethramel on the other hand was drafted into service he had been living on the road for decades at that point drinking and whoring everywhere and anywhere that wasn't dolblasana his childhood home as fate would have it Ethramel was living in a province of nilfgaard when the military draft started Rather than serve as a foot-soldier on the front lines, Ethramel demonstrated his magical prowess to his commanding officer. This granted Ethramel special consideration, and he was sent to serve in the Nilfgaardian military intelligence. Ethramel was dispatched to the Lyrian border shortly after the Second Northern War began, to help end the siege on the dual fortresses of Scala and Spala. He served under Havart during that time, and performed his duty with bravery. A glowing review from Havert got Ethromel promoted to serve in the Vryhead Brigade, an all-elven cavalry unit that specialized in guerrilla warfare. And what an honor I thought it was at the time, the sorcerer thought. Turns out there's no honor in sacking civilian towns and killing innocent people. If we were to play Gwent, Havert said, taking a seat, I'd lose all my money within the hour. I'd prefer to drink, if it's the same to you. And to talk. Talk of what, specifically? "'Ethramel sat at the table. "'The wine glass handed to him was warm in his hands "'and smelled of clothes. "'Old times? "'We can, if you'd like. "'But I know you're here for a reason, Athramel. "'I'd like to know what it is.' "'Well, since you asked, "'I was hoping to get inside of a lander. "'It appears you have the same goal as me.' "'Havart snorted. "'Good luck. "'The drawbridge is raised, "'the gates are bolted shut, "'and the crossbowmen patrol the walls at all hours.' From what I can tell, the Alanders are well-provisioned and highly motivated to keep us out. A lengthy siege seems imminent. There are worse places to be in a war than the outside of a sieged city. The North Guardian shook his head. Not when the Imperator himself has commanded you to take the city with all available speed. And worse, a sickness is running through our camp. My men are calling it the bloody run, because you shit and vomit blood. The longer we stay in such cramped quarters, the faster it will spread. No, I fear time is not on our side. Ethramel clinked his wine glass against his teeth. I may have a way to end this siege earlier than expected. And how's that? I have connections in the city. I'm sure there are more than a few nobles who aren't thrilled about a lengthy siege either. Perhaps an agreement can be reached. I've tried. No such luck from Duke the II on that front. The young bastard feels like he has something to prove. But, since you offered... Hovart leaned over the table. I know if you're intent on getting into a lander, Ephraimel, then you'll get in. All my diplomatic attempts failed, so what's the harm in sending an unofficial messenger? Try to reach an agreement to end the siege peacefully if you can. I'd owe you one. Ethermel paused for what he felt was a sufficiently dramatic amount of time. Remind me, did I save your ass last, or did you save mine? You saved my ass last, at the Battle of Brenna created a firestorm to help me and my men escape when the retreat was sounded. He saved hundreds of lives that day. Shame I burned Duchess Henrietta of Toussaint's favorite nephew in the process, Ethermel said. Would you believe I only just got the assassins off my back? Hovert picked up Colden's letter and handed it back to Ethermel. So I read. This Colden's a wily diplomat. Has risen through the ranks fast. What's he like? Too much like me for my liking, Ethermel thought, but said... He's all right, for a half-elf, and while I did save your life last, I wouldn't have survived the siege of Skala and Spala without you, so I'll do my best to help. But you will owe me one. They clinked glasses and drank on it. 2. The Northgardian soldiers dealt another hand and passed the wineskin around. Jeremiah took it and drank. He shivered and sat closer to the campfire, studying his cards. He was no good at Gwent at least compared to the black cloaks. He was glad they were only playing for fun and not for coin. The five Nilfgaardian soldiers seemed in good spirits. To the craftsman's surprise, they welcomed him and Zevo to their campfire instantly. They offered their wine and asked if they wanted to play cards. Jeremiah, expecting more hostility from the people who invaded his home three times in the past nine years, didn't know what else to do but agree. He winced as he took a seat and rubbed his side. That damned wound just wouldn't let up. You speak the northern dialect well, Zevo said as he sat, tactfully as ever. One of the soldiers, a sergeant, laughed and said, I should hope so. Someone's got to stay behind once the war ends, after all. Might as well be someone who won't butcher the common tongue. Fancy a round of gwent? Zevo grunted, and they started playing. It did not take long for one of the soldiers to say, So you're a witcher, eh? I am. Zevo squinted at his cards in the firelight. Politically neutral in all conflicts, so you don't need to worry on that front. Well, not all witchers. Wasn't that Kingslayer Letho of Gullet a witcher? Aye, from the school of the Viper, Zevo said, sounding annoyed. Witchers aren't supposed to take contracts out on humans. I happen to agree with the rule. It's too easy to get drawn into petty schemes that way. Jeremiah spat. It was his king that the Viper witcher Letho of Gullet killed little more than a year ago now, King Demavend of, of Edern, That witcher was nothing more than a mercenary for the Lodge of Sorceresses, true, but that didn't make him any less of a kingslayer. Don't see many witchers in the Empire, another soldier, a corporal, said. Guess we don't have as many monsters as the North. You do, Zevo said. The Empire just pays a flat rate for the witcher's service, regardless of the monster that needs killing. Not very profitable to stick around. One soldier, a private folded his hand, and drank from the wineskin. And the Empire takes care of any monsters that are reported. Little need for a witcher, in truth. Several grunted and showed his hand. He lost to one of the soldiers. Is it always so bloody cold this time of year? The corporal shivered and drew his cloak a little tighter. It's still plowing summer. Best get used to it, Jeremiah said with a smile. What, if you're to stay here permanently and all? The soldiers, surprisingly, laughed at that i suppose we should the sergeant said still there's worse things than a bit of cold don't speak so soon the private said we could all catch the bloody run any day now i'd rather conquer the city and move on all things told a few brief hours of terror and we'd be on our way take that any day for sitting on our asses for months well it ain't up to us the sergeant said so count your blessings you're still alive and well enough to play cards and deal another round by the light of the sun "'It seems you're all getting along well.' Ethramel hunkered between Zevo and Jeremiah, studying both their hands. He tapped Jeremiah on the shoulder and mouthed that he should fold. Jeremiah did so. He could barely focus on cards, it turned out. He had bigger things on his mind. Things Brother Morgan told him. "'How was your little reunion?' Zevo asked. "'Quite good. We're to try and enter a and break this siege.' Zevo spat in the dirt. "'Did I hear you right?' "'You want to break into a sieged city? "'That's a good way to get killed. "'If not by the city guards, then by slow hunger and cold.' "'Yes, I'm well aware of the danger,' Ethramel said. "'But I've pressing business with Tobias. "'Selling Tech isn't pressing business, Elf. "'Tobias is a prominent nobleman in this city,' Ethramel said pointedly. "'If anyone has the influence to peacefully end this siege and save lives, it's him.' Jeremiah chuckled. "'Since when did you become an altruist?' "'The sorcerer's glare could have turned Jeremiah to stone. "'There's few people I would call a friend in this world, "'and Havart var mehoen is one of them. "'I'd rather he not die alone in the mud, if I can help it.' "'The elf speaks sense to me,' the Nilfgaardian said, "'tossing the wineskin to Ethramel. Ethramel took a swig and wiped his mouth with the back of his hand. "'Besides, Jeremiah, it would benefit our business to cut a deal with Tobias. "'There's a lot of coin to be had in the city.' "'Jeremiah opened his mouth to speak,' But Ethramel continued, But I'd understand if you didn't want to take a risk. You could always ride off, maybe run into Brother Morgan and his angry band of peasants. Jeremiah spat, but said nothing. The sorcerer was right about one thing. There was no going back. Brother Morgan waited for him back there. And the bones of Ezra and Mygard waited for him too. Best to keep pushing forward, to avoid confronting such a nasty past. Best to focus on making coin, as I always do, Jeremiah thought. He had taken more than a few risks in his life. What was one more? All right, he said. I'm with you. It's a bad idea, Zevo repeated. Dangerous. Then it's a good thing you'll be with us, Jeremiah said sharply. The pain in his side put an edge in his voice, and it made him impatient. He was not in the mood to bicker with Zevo. You're my bodyguard, aren't you? Which means you go where I go. Jeremiah reached into his bag and tossed a sack of coins into Zevo's lap to punctuate the point. The witcher narrowed his yellow eye at Jeremiah. Zevo's killing intent emanated from him like heat from a forge. For a moment, he was afraid Zevo would pull out his carving knife and gut him. Then the heat slowly tapered away. The witcher sighed and pocketed the coins. And how do you plan to get into this city? He asked Ethramel. I'll sleep on it. Hopefully come up with a solution tomorrow. Havart was kind enough to loan us spare tents. Will you both be staying? What choice do I have? Jeremiah muttered, more to himself than anyone else. The only way was forward, as always. And I am Jeremiah's bodyguard, Zevo said flatly, so I go where he goes. So much for the non-political witcher, eh? The Nilfgaardian private said with a chuckle. Zevo shut him up with a stony glance. He threw his cards on the barrel that served as a table. Thanks for the game. Where are these tents, Ethrimel? Zevo, hold up. Jeremiah thanked the North Guardians for the wine and took his leave. Do you have a minute to talk? I don't know, Zevo said. Are you paying me to talk, too? Jeremiah winced and rubbed his side. He didn't want to have this conversation any more than Zevo, but he knew it needed to be had. Only on things you're expert in. I just paid you, did I not? The witcher grunted. What is it? Well, I was wondering about curses. Not this again, Ethermel couldn't help but mutter as they walked. Where's Carmen Yola when you need him? He's the expert on curses, remember? Zevo ignored the elf and focused on Jeremiah, evidently keen to talk about something he was well-versed in, and paid for. What do you want to know? Well, how, um, Jeremiah said, struggling for one of the few times in his life to find the right words. How do you know if a person's cursed? Usually it's easy to tell. An army of ghosts haunting a battlefield, men cursed to look like hedgehogs, A person's soul being bound to a tree that bleeds afterward. These things are very unnatural, and curses don't just go away like a bad cold. They persist. Like if you have the same nightmare consistently, Jeremiah said. He quickly added, you know, like what Beatrix had. Right, and curses aren't random. They're difficult to cast, and are born from great trauma or torment. No two curses are the same. Great, Jeremiah thought. He, of course, had caused the traumatic incident when he killed Ezra of Nilfgaard at Crag Ross. She had survived just long enough to spit blood in Jeremiah's face. He had seen her consistently in his nightmares ever since, always stabbing him with a ceremonial dagger. Right where a crossbow bolt hit me. But because curses are difficult to create, the witcher continued, they're also rare. There's a reason there are not a dozen town of undying's across the continent. Usually there's a simpler explanation. Physical wounds can leave mental wounds that linger, after all. So someone may be cursed, but they may not be cursed. Does that make sense? Aye. Why the sudden curiosity? Ethrimel asked. No reason, Jeremiah lied. Perhaps he was just suffering from mental guilt over what he did. Guilt, while bothersome, at least wouldn't kill him. He thought, I need to give it some more time. Maybe the pain will go away on its own as Jeremiah entered his own tent and lied down in a clean cot. He found that very difficult to believe.
0: That'll do it for this episode of Tales from the Witcher. This podcast is written and produced by Jacob Gerstel. The Witcher novels are by Andrzej Sapkowski, The Witcher games are by CD Projekt Red, and The Witcher tabletop RPG is by R. Talsorian Games. The music is by Eric Matias at soundimage.org. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and to spread the word of this podcast far and wide. You can follow the podcast at TalesWitcherPod on X, or at talesfromthewitcher.buzzsprout.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again next week.